Well, good morning. Welcome to Paradise Valley Christian Church. We're so glad that you're here. We welcome those online. This past week has been a joyous week of a lot of yelling at little kids. No, I mean, we just uh, communicated well with the, the younger ones. And <clears throat> so my voice, I took a megaphone to camp. It didn't help. Um, so my voice is, is a little bit going out, but it recovered the last uh, day or so. But uh, we're glad that you're here. And a couple weeks ago, <clears throat> we had a message where we had the, the leper being touched by Jesus, and he was made clean. And, and we learned through that, that passage of scripture that Jesus isn't afraid of our messes. There's nothing in our lives that are so messed up that it just is like, whoa, no, Jesus is doing a hands-off thing. No, he's right in the middle of our mess, and he is the only one that can make us clean. And this morning's passage, as we continue on, we're in chapter 2 of Mark, as we go through the follow the servant uh, sermon series. We made it to chapter 2. We only have, you know, 16 total chapters to get through, so it's, it'll, it'll happen. And so today's passage is from chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And it's one of my favorite passages because there's so many different uh, lessons and uh, things interwoven in between this story. And the title of today's message is we need forgiveness more than healing. We need forgiveness more than healing. And uh, just to give you uh, the stream guys a heads up, I'm going to move around a lot today just so you know. And, and so this title, this message caused me to think about my son Brooks. He's six years old and he has a knack for every time it's time to eat, he wants to go do something else. He's not hungry. I'm not hungry. And then once we're all done eating, randomly throughout the day he says, uh, what can I eat? And I like to say, you could eat what everybody else ate when we ate it at mealtime. And he's all, no, I just need a snack. I need a snack. And, and a lot of times he wants candy, right? He wants candy. I'm like, that's not going to fill you up. But in his mind, that's what he needs. But the reality is that Brooks needs some sustenance. He needs actual food to fill him up, to, to keep him alive. And, and yet what he thinks he needs is to have his sweet tooth satisfied. And a lot of times we come to Jesus thinking that we know what we need. And the reality is, is that Jesus says, no, that's not what you need. This is what you need. Will you pray with me? Father, this morning, God, we need you more than ever. We depend on you this morning. We trust in you, Father. We desire for your Holy Spirit that is among us, that lives within us, to guide and direct us, to comfort and to bring about change. Father, we depend on you this morning. And so may we allow for, you, for your direction in our life to be a priority in our lives. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. There are times as Christians that we spend time in prayer stressing out about the things of this life that we're struggling with. And we come to God and we say, God, our greatest need is this. Can you take care of it? And God says, well, yeah, of course I can take care of it. But that's not your greatest need. That is so small compared to what I want to do in your life. And if we're not careful, we settle. We settle for less than what God wants to do 
in our lives. So Jesus in this passage says to the guy that is looking just for healing, man, I have something so much greater than just the healing of your body in store for you. And it's forgiveness. It's forgiveness. And and so let's look at this guy's story in Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1, going through verse 12. And if you are willing and able to this morning, will you stand again with me as we read from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. I'm reading from the NIV uh, 84 edition. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered there that so many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. You may be seated. In our day and age, it seems like we don't oftentimes use our imaginations a whole lot because we have video and pictures, and if we want to know what happened, we want to see what took place, we go and we watch the video. And, and so we don't use our imaginations very often. In fact, my kids, they struggle with that. Like, go pretend something, you know. That, that's, that's what your imaginations are for. And, and so Jesus is preaching the word here. And I wonder could we begin to imagine really what it must have been like to be there in this moment? He's preaching the word and the crowd is gathered and the house is so full that he can't even get in the door. And then all of a sudden, while this basically this church service is taking place, there's like this noise on the roof. And there's scratching and there's, there's debris coming down and there's, there's banging and you're like, what is going on? And, and then all of a sudden, this gentleman is lowered down through this hole in the roof. And people are looking around, and there's this re- the religious leaders, and there's people that are wondering, is this part of the service? Uh, if, if not, because if it's really rude for this guy to just show up in the middle of what Jesus is saying, interrupting the rabbi, destroying private property. And I wonder, what must it have been like for the paralyzed man? And so I would like for us to all imagine ourselves as a paralyzed man this morning. And I, I'd ask that you give me a, a little bit of freedom as we study through this passage. And I'd like for all of us 
again, to think about what it must have been like in this moment. I don't know what your home looks like, but before Jesus healed me, this was my home. Obviously, it wasn't exactly like this, but this is pretty much where I spent all my time. This is where I would eat. This is where I would sleep. This is where I would live. And it was a, a struggle. I, I was dependent on so many other people. When it came to receiving food, I, I required someone to bring me food. If I had a pain from laying on my side too long, I would need someone to come and, and help roll me over. If I was to go anywhere, I, I needed someone to come and and to help me, and if without anybody else's help, essentially I had to just lay in my own filth. I was so dependent on other people. And if I'm to be honest with you this morning, again, it was a struggle to lay there day in and day out watching people live their lives full of joy, excitement, experiences, Things that I would never really get to experience on my own and because I had to just lay on my mat. And there was so much going on around me that, that caused me such sadness. And there are people that would walk by and, and, and they would look at me, but they didn't know what to say. 
And so they would look away, and, and I know that there were people that cared, but they didn't necessarily care enough to do anything. But there were others in my life that they would invest in me, and without their commitment to me, there, there wouldn't have been a relationship, because if you think about it, I'm not the guy that says, hey, I'm going to come over to your house. It wasn't, wasn't going to happen. I'm not the guy that was going to bring you a coffee, one of my friends, a coffee drink at their workplace. That, that wasn't me. I, I couldn't do that. I wasn't the guy that could be like, yeah, you guys are moving to a new house. I'll be there to help. The, the only way that I had a friendship with anyone was if they were willing to be committed to me. And I did have some committed friends. Specifically, there was four guys that committed a lot of time and energy into my life. And they were amazing. If you don't have friends like these four guys, they're the best four friends that a guy could ask for. If you don't have those kind of friends in your life, you need to get those friends. The, the friends that are, love you unconditionally. The friends that are looking out for you no matter what. The, the friends that are wanting the best for you. The friends that are willing to bring you to Jesus. But I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Let me back up a little. My friends and I, we'd meet together weekly. We kind of kind of get caught up on what's going on in, in the town, in the area. It was kind of like our own little small group, okay? We had our own small group way back. And, and so we would meet together and we would discuss different things. And, and one day that we met together, my friend said, hey, have you heard about Jesus? I'm like, yeah, who hasn't heard about Jesus? I mean, there's been a lot of teachers that have come through our area, but those teachers have never shared the truth with such power and authority. And those teachers have never performed the, the miraculous signs and wonders that Jesus had been performing. And in my mind, I just thought, if I could just get before Jesus, and he could heal me. And so as we're discussing this Jesus that had come into the area, everybody's wondering where he's at. And all of a sudden we hear someone shouting through the street, Jesus is in town. Jesus is in town. We're like, really? He's, he's here? He, he's preaching in a house, we hear someone yelling. And, and as we're thinking about that, one of my friends, uh, he's kind of a little crazy. He says, hey, I got an idea, all right? And you know those friends that say, hey, I got an idea. You immediately become very scared inside, right? You're like, oh, this isn't going to turn out right. And if you don't have that friend, you probably are that friend, okay? All right, just so you know. And so, man, we don't, I didn't know if this was going to turn out well. I'm scared for my life. And the friend says, I got an idea. Let's get you to Jesus. And the other friends are like, yeah, we can do that. We can make that. And I, right away, I start coming up with excuses. Like, I don't know where Jesus is at. We don't know. We don't know how far away that is. You're going to have to haul me there. If you have to haul me there, you guys are going to get tired. I don't want to be inconvenienced. I don't want any, let's just let it go. Let's just let it go. If we see him passing, we'll, we'll ask him maybe. But I, we can't go wherever he's at. We don't even know where he's at. And all these excuses come to the surface. And my friends, they'll have none of it. Their determination to get me to Jesus overpowered my excuses. You see, you need these kind of friends. 
You need these kind of friends in your life. You need the kind of friends that no matter what, they're going to do whatever it takes to get you to Jesus. And I wonder this morning, are you that kind of friend? Are are you the kind of friend that no matter what, no matter if it's going to hurt their feelings, no matter if it's going to cause a little bit of tension, that you're willing to reach out with the love of Christ and say, I got to get you to Jesus. It's going to make all the difference in your life. You see, they were willing to do whatever it took to get me to Jesus. And so they hauled me street after street. We talked to person after person. Eventually, we found the home that Jesus is preaching in. And I was excited. And we got there. And guess what? It was packed out. There was no way to, like, if you've ever been to amusement park, I have not, okay, because I'm the paralytic in the story. But if you've been to an amusement park, you know, you try to get through the line, and and you're like, who said you got, you know, nobody was letting us in the house, okay? They were like, no, you know, we're listening to Jesus. They're elbowing, you know. There was no getting in. It was packed. It was a full house. And in my mind, I'm completely disappointed. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm sad. All these emotions are flowing through me, and in my mind, I'm just thinking, well, today must not be the day that I'm supposed to, it's not God's will for me to be healed today. And remember that crazy friend that I have? He showed up again. He's still there, okay? And he's looking. He's like, yeah, we could get on the roof. And I'm thinking, who cares? Why would we want to be on the roof? And he starts talking to the other friends like, hey, you know, and they're just kind of you know, all over here. And I'm thinking, hey, don't I get a vote in this? Like, why would I want to go to the roof? I'm kind of a, a ground kind of person. You know, I'm used to being on the ground. Why would I want to go up high? And they're like, oh, you don't have a vote. So they grab me. They maneuver me. We get up on top of the roof. And I'm like, good job, guys. We're on the roof. Jesus is not on the roof. So why are we here? And then they start working on the roof. And I'm thinking, what's going on? And if you know, the roofs at that time were a lot of times made out of mud and straw and sticks. And so they began to just take their hands and start ripping the material of the roof open. And then they start tearing stuff apart. And I'm like, guys, what are we doing? Like, we're on somebody else's roof. We don't even know whose house this is. And now you're going to just rip the roof apart? You know, I, I, don't, I can't pay for this. Can you pay for this? Does anybody bring a credit card? Like, what's, what's going on here? There's no way. And I'm nervous. I'm, I'm like, ooh, you know, this is not good. This isn't going to go well. And they dig this hole to the point where they begin to lower me down right in front of Jesus. And can you imagine the stares and the glares of those religious leaders? I I was right in the middle of it. And they looked at me like, what are you doing here? Why would you interrupt this teaching? Why would you destroy the property? And and I'm looking at all these faces around me like, this is a bad idea. This wasn't good. And I'm looking up at my friends and they're like, they're excited. They're thumbs up. They're high-fiving each other. And I'm thinking, of course, you guys are happy. You're way up there and you can run away. I'm right here, and I'm paralyzed. I'm not going anywhere, you know? And so I'm just like, oh, no, this isn't good. And, and yet then I look to Jesus, and I look at Jesus' face. And he's not flustered. He's not frustrated. And the next thing he says, 
He says, when Jesus saw their faith, you see, Jesus saw my friends' faith. And I'm thinking, what do you mean? My friends is, well, I'm the one that here, I'm the one that needs the healing. And, and yet, he says, when he saw my friends' faith, I personally, I couldn't get myself to Jesus. But my friends, man, they had a faith and a willingness to make sure I got to Jesus no matter what it took. And only Jesus, in that moment, could have the reaction that he did, knowing exactly what was going to take place. And I think about the faith of my friends. They knew that only Jesus could heal me. They knew that only Jesus could change me. They knew that only Jesus could make my life whole again. And I'm there, right at the feet of Jesus, completely expecting healing. And what does Jesus offer me? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And I'm thinking, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. wait, wait a second, Jesus. That's not why I'm here. Maybe, maybe you didn't notice. I can't move. I, 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 I'm, I need some healing. My, my body doesn't work. And, and I, in my mind, I'm thinking, man, I've rehearsed this over and over. If I have a chance to get before Jesus, I'm going to say, Jesus, I have faith. Will you please heal me? And in my mind, I just imagine Jesus saying, son, pick up your mat and walk. And I would just be so excited. I'm imagining this in my mind. I'd be so excited, like, woo, to do cartwheels. You know, that's the best cartwheel I could do because I'm a paralyzed guy, you guys, all right? <laughs> I'm not very good at cartwheels yet, all right? And so now I'm in front of Jesus, and I think this is what's going to happen. And I, I, in my mind, I just know that Jesus will say, son, pick up your mat and walk. Son, pick up your mat and go home. Son, walk. I just, I knew that's what he was going to say. But what he actually said, it's like it came out in slow motion. It was like, son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven? What? Why would I need my sins forgiven? Who cares about my sins? Don't you recognize the fact that my body is messed up, that I'm paralyzed, that physically I, I'm distraught? And yet Jesus is more concerned that we're messed up spiritually. He's, he's more concerned about our spiritual well-being than he even is our physical well-being. And our greatest need isn't always the one that seems the most obvious. Our greatest need isn't always the one that seems the most obvious. See, we come to Jesus with our problems and we say, we say God, please, just, just fix these. Fix these situations or these circumstances or these physical ailments or these financial struggles or these relational 
problems. And once again, Jesus can fix them, but your greatest need is forgiveness. Your greatest need is forgiveness because sin separates us from God. If you continue in your sin, you will be separated from God for eternity and will spend forever in hell. That's just the truth of it. And so Jesus offers forgiveness. And in that moment, and I was so disappointed, but I knew deep down inside of me that that was exactly what I needed. The spiritual healing that would take place in my life. Even if I had never received physical healing, that day, the spiritual healing that I received, it was enough. It was enough because it had an eternal impact on my life. And Jesus can go beyond what we ask and provide for us exactly what we need. And if you come with a list this morning of all the things that you want Jesus to fix in your life, I pray that you are reminded this morning that the number one thing that you need in your life is forgiveness. And, and it's offered through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and what he was willing to do on the cross for you specifically and the fact that he came back three days later to overcome sin and death and that's where the victory comes that's where the forgiveness comes it's through the power of Jesus and that is the kind of Jesus you need today you need the kind of friends that I have you need the forgiveness that Jesus is offering, and you need this kind of Jesus. This kind of Jesus, man, he is powerful. I, I came that day with my own agenda. I knew what I wanted. I knew what I needed, at least I thought. And Jesus says, oh, oh hey, hey, no, I, I'm God. Jesus is saying, I, I'm in control. Not you, not your little small plans. It's about my agenda. Jesus is God. He says, I am God. I set the agendas. This is what you need. You see, Jesus, he wasn't worried about what the crowds were going to say. Because he knew that I needed forgiveness. And he knew that by offering me forgiveness, saying that my sins were forgiven... It was going to upset a lot of people. And guess what? Jesus didn't care. He didn't care what everybody thought. How often are you worried about what everybody thinks? Are you a people pleaser? Are you more concerned about the people in this world over the God of the universe? In fact, he didn't care to the point where he even calls them out on what they are thinking. On what they're thinking. Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God? And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he calls them out on it. 
He doesn't be like, well, these guys, they don't get it. I'm just going to, I'm going to go on. No, no, he calls them out. He says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up, take your mat and walk. And then I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, can we say both? Can we, can we say both? I mean, is this a little bit of multiple choice here? Like all of the above, right? I mean, can we not only, you know, have my sins forgiven, but can I also be healed at the same time? I mean, that's what I was shooting for. And we knew exactly what Jesus was saying when he said that phrase. We knew because from little kids growing up with Jew, Jewish teachings, we knew that only God can forgive our sins. And if anybody else said that they could, that was blasphemy. That, that was serious. That wasn't a, you can't just joke about that kind of stuff. And so we knew what Jesus was saying. And Jesus was saying, exactly, I am who I say I am. He, he was saying that, yes, you are right. It would be blaspheming. Unless I am who? God. Yeah. Unless I'm God, then it's not blasphemy, and I am not blaspheming. And so, who am I? Well, I am God. And Jesus was getting it right out there. He's saying, that's right, people. I am the Messiah. Jesus is saying, yes, I am God in the flesh. Jesus was making it crystal clear of who he is because he says, I can forgive sins. He was drawing a, drawing a line in the sand, and he was saying, hey, you either believe this or you don't, but what I'm saying is that I am God, and I have the authority to forgive sins. What about you? Do you believe that today? You see, Jesus came to die for your sins. And if you truly believe that this morning, then that should completely change your life. It, should compl it completely should change how you live from sun up to sun down. Because it changed my life. It changed my life drastically. In fact, Jesus, the next thing he says is that in order for you to know that the Son of Man, which he was referring to himself as the Messiah, has authority on earth to forgive sins, guess what happened next? This is awesome. Okay, He, he says, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Whoa. Man, there was some power that went through my legs. Nothing I've ever felt before. And all of a sudden, there's this surge going through my legs. And I jumped up. And I was so excited. It was so awesome. I was like, what? Yeah, this is amazing. You know, I'm just thinking, what, what is going on? And Jesus is who he said he is. Jesus is who he said he is. He can change your life now and for eternity. And he can forgive you of your sins, and he proved it by healing my legs. He proved it by healing my legs, and I'm a living, walking testimony of the fact that Jesus can make you whole again. Amen? And so you need 
this kind of Jesus in your life. And as the praise team comes this morning, I just want to close with a few questions. And then we're going to be done. And these questions are, the first one, have you received the forgiveness that Jesus is offering you this morning? I'm just going to be straight with you. I, I think as American churchgoers, a lot of times we can have the same mentality that this paralytic most likely had that day. It was a mentality that said, Jesus, I got a lot of problems, and I'm willing to follow you and believe in you, Jesus, but I need you to fix this first. Jesus, I need you to take care of this. And Jesus, unless you work miraculously in my life, that's when I'm going to start to believe. That's when things are really going to change. And we come to Jesus with, with this list and we say, okay, I'm going to follow you as long as you take care of X, Y, and Z. And we give God this list and, and maybe it's physical stuff, maybe it's emotional stuff, maybe it's financial stuff. And you're saying, I will believe in you, God, and follow you if you would just fix this. And God is saying to you this morning, believe in me and follow me even if I never fix your issues. Because your number one need this morning is that you need forgiveness. That's what you need. And so have you ever received the forgiveness that Jesus is offering? If you never have, man, please... Receive that forgiveness today. I'd love to talk with you after services about what that means from Scripture to receive that forgiveness. And the second question for those of you who have received that forgiveness in your lives, is there a friend that you need to get to Jesus by whatever means necessary? Man, you may have friends right now that are separated from God because of the sin in their life. And if they remain that way, they're going to end up in hell for eternity. Will you begin to pray about how you can do whatever it might take to get your friends to Jesus? I would challenge us that we would be a disciple that makes other disciples. So as we sing our song of invitation, if you need your sins forgiven, if you need to be clothed with Christ through baptism, we'd invite you to come as we sing. Will you stand with us this morning?